All aboard the Tian Tong, our basket boat is about to set sail down the Mekong River as we explore the philosophical influence on art and culture in Southeast Asian countries in our new podcast series called Think Boat. Hi, we are your hosts, Harleen Kaur and Crystal Sippin. We are both philosophy students, and in this series, each episode we will visit a country in Southeast Asia as we engage in a discussion featuring different artistic mediums from each country through a philosophical lens, analyzing how they perpetuate certain ideas and values within the culture. As we explore each country, the art we will discuss will be inspired by the book Our Venture Down the Mekong, Chopsticks Alley's first art book. Our first stop on our basketball is Myanmar. A little bit about Myanmar is that it is located in Southeast Asia, bordering the Andaman Sea, and is surrounded by Bangladesh, India, China, Laos, and Thailand. It is an interesting country as it has faced a battle between democracy, authoritarianism, and absolute monarchy for much of history. The country and its government used to be influenced by Buddhism and its morality code. So Myanmar is actually the first country that gets featured in Chopsticks Alley's Adventure Down the Mekong art book. We feature a Hiti project, which is a parasol used as decorations in Myanmar's pagoda temples. This colorful parasol was first made with paper, but with time, these umbrellas were made with materials meant to help it last longer. Switching to bamboo shafts and oil-soaked cotton, silk, and taffeta canopies. Not only was a hiti used for decorative purposes, but it also symbolized devotion to the monastic lifestyle that is prominent in Myanmar. And it's not uncommon for the country to incorporate their cultural beliefs into their artwork. While I was researching, there was a piece that I found particularly captivating. It was a bronze sculpture that dated back to the 11th century, and its form was in the shape of a lotus flower. On each petal, there was a depiction of different scenes from the Buddha's life, particularly the parts of his life that ultimately led to his enlightenment, which you, Harleen, know a little bit about, right? Of course. So Buddhism is a religion that was founded about 2,500 years ago in India by Siddhartha Gautama. The story goes Siddhartha was a wealthy prince who lived inside a nice home with many luxuries. However, he felt empty. He decided to leave his house and wander around where he saw a sick man, an old man, and a dead man. He then realized that all life is suffering and that one day all these things will happen to every person, including himself. He decided to leave behind his lavish life and set out to find the answers to the problem of suffering. He then sought out teachers, and after learning their teachings, he sat under the Bodhi tree for six days meditating, and thereafter not moving or eating for six days, Siddhartha reached enlightenment, also called Nirvana. In Buddhism, Siddhartha Gautama was the original Buddha, and he created the lessons that Buddhists follow today, which include the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path. Right. And so the four noble truths are that all life is suffering. Suffering stems from greed and desire. In order to stop suffering, you must live without attachments. And lastly, in order to live without attachments, you must follow the eightfold path. 
The Eightfold Path is an extensive guide on how to free oneself from attachment and how to eventually reach nirvana one day. But going back to the religion of Buddhism, it spread all throughout Asia, where it has taken on two main forms. You know, I actually didn't know that there were essentially two different ways of practicing Buddhism before my research. Uh, so what I found was that actually the Mahayana Buddhism is known as Buddhism for the people because it applies Buddhist teachings into their daily lives as opposed to solely in the monastery. On the contrary, Theravada translates to the way of the elders because they believed in practicing Buddhism in its original form, as in the way that was taught by Startha Gautama himself. This original form of Buddhism emphasizes an individual's efforts within the religion. In layman's terms, Mahayana is viewed as a progressive approach to Buddhism, allowing them to live regular lives in the modern world. Meanwhile, Theravada is the more traditional form of Buddhism. From this, we can recognize the people of Myanmar as devout Buddhists who practice Buddhism in the ways that Harleen mentioned, to reach nirvana as Siddhartha Gautama once did, by living as a monk, meditating, and following the Eightfold Path. Their devotion to the religion explains its influence within the country's popular culture. Not only do we see in their architecture through their endless amounts of places of worship, like the pagodas, the teas, and monasteries, but we see Buddhism influence their sculptures, just like the bronze lotus flower that I found. The piece is certainly captivating, as each petal draws your eyes across to get a glimpse of all the panels. The lotus flower combined with the Buddhist culture is a perfect representation of the influence Buddhism has on Myanmar art and culture. Religion was a common theme of inspiration for their artwork, since most people did not know how to read, so they could not read the scriptures for themselves. Instead, these beautiful artworks emerged as a visual representation of Buddhist teachings. What I found interesting about the history of Myanmar's art is that it consistently features the image of Siddhartha Gautama, the original Buddha. I think the repetition of his image through the centuries of their artwork is telling of how dedicated they are to following Theravada Buddhism. Even within the culture's architecture, the religious influence is apparent. Similar to the murals painted by Michelangelo in the Sistine Chapel that depicts images of God and angels and the like, images of the Buddha are plastered all over the inner walls of Buddhist temples in Myanmar. When I was researching about Myanmar, I read that during the Avya Kingdom period, which was from 1598 to 1885, a Buddhist monk, Kanda Minkyang Dao, wrote a poetic work for a moral conduct set of Buddhist moral codes called the Lakatara Pyo, which divided into three parts. Moral virtues for the common people, virtues for Brahmin, and royal virtues for kingship. The Lakatara Pyo was based on the Chitakas, which are stories of the former lives of the Buddha. These stories provided moral virtues such as temperance, courage, endeavor, wisdom, and many other moral qualities for people to follow. 
The royal virtues for kingship depends on the individual taste or style of a king, though these orders reflect upon the people's social and cultural background, which means a king was in absolute power and therefore his word was law. But he rarely went against the tradition or religion of the majority of his subjects. It sounds like Buddhism not only influences their artwork, but it also seems to play a role in their politics as well. So, Harlene, how is Buddhism influencing Myanmar today? If you have not heard, in February 2021, the Myanmar military staged a coup to overthrow its country's Democratic Party from power. Myanmar has only experienced a democratic system two times in its history, each period lasting for 10 years before being thrown off by an authoritative regime. The coup leaders are using Buddhist nationalism to push forward this authoritative regime that discriminates against mostly the Muslims who were brought to Myanmar by the British. Buddhism is being used to uphold this agenda, but it is not the one that is causing it. The military is taking advantage of the oppression of the Buddhist monks. They are using this religious fever to take out the Democratic Party in place so that the military can be back in power again. The ideas of these nationalists go against the core ideas of Buddhism, yet Buddhism is being used as a tool to fight. But now, the young people are fighting back. They are becoming more religiously tolerant and aware of what the government has been doing to the minorities in Myanmar, and they are expressing their support and resilience. This movement leaves some hope for abolishing the authoritarian military in Myanmar. Hey Crystal! Can you think of another place in the world where people use religion as a political tool? Yeah, it's interesting how much religion is embedded into the political structure of Myanmar, but I can't help and draw parallels to even American culture. For instance, although our country's Bill of Rights establishes, you know, the separation of church and state, for example, Religions still impose their values into political debate. Take the debate on pro-life versus pro-choice, for instance. A majority of the people who support pro-life tend to also follow Christianity and hold the belief that abortion, no matter to what extent, is immoral and they justify their beliefs through the teachings in the Bible. So... How is a person to really argue with because God said so? Now, by no means am I questioning the validity of someone's belief system. You have every right to believe in what you'd like. After all, living in this country gives you that freedom, the freedom of religion. However, I'm not sure if the argument because God said so is a valid argument in regards to a political debate. With the freedom of religion in mind, we have to acknowledge that Christian values do not always equate to cultural values, especially when we're talking about America. I can see how it's difficult for people of Myanmar to separate religion from politics because Buddhism is a huge part of their culture. Whilst here in America, we are this a culmination of so many different cultures, meaning we're exposed to a lot of different belief systems. So the way that I see it, by using a religion-based argument, that would mean accepting one religion as truth 
and all others as myth or fantasy. Expressing your values is one thing, but using your religious beliefs as a means of justification in a political debate is another. In regards to political debate, I think it's important to focus on fact and reason when defending your position. So let me ask you guys, our listeners, do you think that religious influence can create a bias and prevent people from utilizing a rational thought process? Does religion have a place in political debate? Do you want it to? Think about it. Oh no, looks like the tide is rising on the Mekong River. We have to leave the shores of Myanmar if we want to make it to Laos next time. Before we leave, here's a message from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Art Venture Down the Mekong, easy to make art project book. It's a first of its kind. Chopsticks Alley's artist created eight easy to make art projects inspired by Southeast Asian countries. A brief history and culture of each country are embedded in the lessons to inspire each art activity. You do not need expensive art supplies to create your masterpieces. This book includes Vietnamese translations too. Whether you are 8 or 80 years old, you will love the book. Get a copy for yourself or as a gift on Amazon or at tinyurl.com slash If you would like to sponsor our next podcast, have a topic you'd like for us to discuss, or would like to be a part of the team, send us an email at chopsticksalley at gmail.com. Sign up for our newsletter and read our stories at on chopsticksalley.com or check out our nonprofit website chopsticksalleyart.org. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at chopsticksalley and chopsticksalleyart. Tune in for another episode of Think Both.